Chapter 30 The Businessman's Good Service Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33 I understand this as referring to the practical part of true religion. Seek to have the imputed righteousness of Christ by all means, but seek also to exhibit the infused righteousness that comes by sanctification. Let us aspire after a high degree of holiness. We are called to be saints. Saints are not miraculous beings to be set up in niches and admired, but they are men and women who live, trade, do righteousness, and practice charity in the streets of a city or in the fields of a village. Those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb should not be satisfied with the common cleanliness of morality, but the garment of their lives should be whiter than any laundryman can make it. Purity suits the disciples of Jesus. In spirit, soul, and body, we should be holiness to the Lord. Exodus 28:36. Our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 5:20. It should be a reproduction of the character of our Lord. I understand the phrase, His righteousness, to mean that power in the world that is always working in some form or other for that which is good, true, and pure. Everything in this world that is holy, honest, and of good repute may count upon the Christian as its friend, for it is a part of God's righteousness. Does drunkenness destroy the very life of our nation? Do you need men of temperance to battle this evil? The Christian cries, Write down my name. When the slave had to be freed, the subjects of God's kingdom were at the forefront in that deed of righteousness. Today, if oppression is to be cast down, we dare not refuse our aid. If the people are to be educated and better housed, we applaud the proposal with delight. If the horrible sin of a period is to be denounced and punished, we may not draw back from the loathsome conflict. Let each man in his own position labor after purity, and, as God will help us, we may yet sweep the streets of their shame and deliver our youth from corruption. Every Christian should say of every struggle for better things, I am in it, cost what it may. Great numbers of people who profess to be Christian forget to seek God's righteousness, and they seem to think that their main business is to save their own souls, poor little souls that they are. Their religion is barely sufficient to fill up the vacuum within their own ribs, where their hearts should be. This selfishness is not the religion of Jesus. The religion of Jesus is unselfish. It enlists a man as a crusader against everything that is unrighteous. We are knights of the Red Cross, and our bloodless battles are against all things that degrade our fellow men, whether they are social, political, or religious causes. We fight for everything that is good, true, and just. True Christianity is spread out and extensive in its operations. I see people drawing lines continually and saying, This much is religious and this much is secular. What do you mean? This idea is one that fits with the false ideas of sacred places, priests, shrines, and relics. I do not believe in it. Everything is holy to a person who is holy. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15 To a man who seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his house is a temple. 
His meals are sacraments, His garments are vestments, every day is a holy day, and He Himself is a priest and a king unto God. Revelation 1 6. The sphere of Christianity is coextensive with daily life. I am not to say I serve God when I stand in the pulpit, for that might imply that I wanted to serve the devil when my sermon was over. We are not only to be devout at church and pious at prayer meetings, but we should be devout and godly everywhere. The Christian religion must not be like a fine piece of medieval armor that is merely hung upon the wall or only worn on state occasions. No, it is a garment for the house, for the shop, and for the bank. Your account books and iron safes are to be made by grace holiness unto the Lord. Godliness is for the dining room and the waiting room, the bank and the store. It can neither be put off nor on. It is of the man and in the man, if it is real. Righteousness is a quality of the heart. It abides in the nature of the saved man as a fundamental part of his new self. He who is not always righteous is not righteous. Undefiled religion is a vital matter. It is in the life of the man. I am afraid that the religion of some people is like the shell of the hermit crab. At sea, the dredge brings up innumerable creeping things, and among them are creatures that have their own natural shells to live in. But here comes a fellow who has annexed the shell of a large snail, and he bears it around as if it were his own. He lives in it while it suits him, and he gives up the shell when it becomes inconvenient. The shell is not part of himself. Avoid such a religion. Beware of a Sunday shell and a weekday without the shell. The religion that you can part with, you had better part with. If you can get rid of it, get rid of it. If it is not part and parcel of yourself, it is good for nothing. If it doesn't run right through you like a silver thread through a piece of embroidery, it will not be adequate for your eternal salvation. I remember a remark of John Newton, who used to be the clergyman at St. Mary Woolnoth Church. He was a thoroughly Calvinistic preacher, but when someone asked him whether he believed in Calvinism, he replied, I am a Calvinist, but I don't take it as children eat spoonfuls of sugar. I use it to flavor all my preaching, as men use sugar in tea or food. Hypocrites swallow religion in spoonfuls, inviting all to admire the quantity, but sincere seekers after righteousness quietly dissolve their godliness in their lives and sweeten all their common relationships with it. The real saint flavors his ordinary life with grace so that his wife and his children, his servants, and his neighbors are better for it. Roland Hill used to say that a man was not a true Christian if his dog and his cat were not better off for it. Footnote A good biography of Roland Hill is available from an ACO Press. That witness is true. A man's religion should be to him what perfume is to a rose or what light is to the sun. It should be the necessary outcome of his existence. If his life is not fragrant with truth and bright with love, the question arises whether he knows the religion of our Lord Jesus. The division between sacred and secular is most unhappy to both divisions of life. We need them united again. In the days of Queen Mary, 
A foolish person dug up the bones of the wife of the German Protestant reformer, Martin Bucher, out of spite. Poor woman! She had done nothing wrong, but had simply married a teacher of the gospel. However, she was dragged from her grave to be buried in a dunghill for that supposedly serious offence. When Elizabeth came to the throne, her bones were buried again, but to make the body secure from any future malice of bigots, our prudent forefathers took the relics of a certain Roman Catholic saint who was enshrined at Oxford, and mixed the remains of the two deceased persons past all chance of separation. In this way, Mrs. Bucher was secured from further disrespect by her unity with the body of one of the canonized. I want the secular things of life to be secured by union with the sacred things to this same degree. If we could only feel that our ordinary acts are parts of a saintly life, they would not so often be done carelessly. If we lay our poor daily life by itself, it will be disregarded. But if we combine it with our holiest aspirations and activities, it will be preserved. Our religion must be part and parcel of our daily lives, and then the entirety of our lives will be preserved from the destroyer. Does not Scripture say, Whither therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 But, someone says, are we not to have amusements? Yes, you may have such amusements as you can enjoy in the fear of God. Do whatever Jesus would have done. This is liberty enough for one who desires to be like Jesus. There is happiness enough in things that are pure and right, and if not, we will not do evil to find more. We find pleasure enough without hunting for it in the environment of sin. There are joys that are as far above the pleasures of folly as the feasts of kings are above the husks of swine. At times, our inner life flames up into a blaze of joy, and if it usually burns lower, there is at least a steady fire of peace upon our hearth that makes our life such that we don't envy anyone. It's not slavery that I set before you when I say that we are first of all to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There is a present wage that justifies the choice. As for the eternal future, it pleads for it with the voice of thunder. A far more desirable idea is for a person to rise above his possessions, elevating life upon stepping stones of these barren gains, building with them a pedestal above which the inner manhood rises. This is what God intends to do in providence to the man who serves him wholeheartedly. He will add to him the things of this life. These will be thrown in as supplements to the divine heritage. I incur certain small expenses in connection with my study. We need a few matters that may be paid for out of petty cash, but I never spent, as far as I can remember, a single penny for string and brown paper. That's because, as a reader and writer, I buy books, and then the string and brown paper are added to me. My purchase is the books, but the string and brown paper come to me added as a matter of course. This is the idea. You are to spend your strength on the high and noble purpose of glorifying God, and then the minor matters of what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed, are thrown in as supplements. Matthew 6, 31. Earthly things are only the brown paper and string. 
and I hope you never think too much of them. Some people get so much of this brown paper and string that they glory in them and expect us to fall down and worship them. If we refuse this admiration, they are foolish enough to adore themselves. It must not be so among the servants of God. To us, the man is the man, and not the guinea's stamp. Footnote This is a reference from A Man's A Man for A That, a poem by Robert Burns, 1759 to 1796. The guinea's stamp refers to the image of a man being on a coin rather than being the man himself. All these things are small matters to us. The real life of the soul is all in all. Don't slice pieces out of your manhood and then hope to fill up the vacancies with money. He who loses manliness or godliness to gain gold is a great cheater of himself. Keep yourselves complete for God and for His Christ, and let all other matters be additions, not subtractions. Live above the world. Its goods will come to you when you do not bid high for them. If you hunt the butterfly of wealth too eagerly, you may harm it by the stroke with which you secure it. When earthly things are sought for as the main object, they are degraded into rubbish, and the seeker of them has fallen to be a mere man with a rake for picking up waste, turning over a dunghill to find nothing. Set your heart on nobler things than self. Cry with David, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. Psalm 121, 1. Let us so live that it will be safe for God to add to us the blessings of the life that now is. However, that can only be done safely when we have learned to keep the world under our feet.